You're listening to KYMN 95.1 FM, 1080 AM, and streaming online at KimRadio.net. It's time for the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. It's the show that covers America's pastime through the eyes of the people who love it the most. From journalists to broadcasters, and of course, the athletes that play the game, we will have all your bases covered. Here's your host, Colin Landsteiner. Welcome to the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Hope you all are surviving the heat out there and the kiddos are enjoying their first weekend of the summer. What better way to start your summer break than listening to some baseball here on KYMN. We've got some great conversations for you here leading up to the Twins-Astros game tonight. And it's going to include a conversation with head baseball coach for the University of St. Thomas, Chris Olin. Chris just led his team to the Division Three National Championship game, falling to Salisbury. So we'll recap their season and talk about their incredible run. Uh, but before that, let's play back a conversation I had yesterday with Betsy Helfamp. Now, Betsy, she is the Twins beat writer for the Pioneer Press, and we talked about all sorts of topics from injuries to the lackluster play this year to the relationship the Twins have with the Saints now. And uh, yeah, let's play back that conversation from yesterday. All right, we're here with Betsy Helfand, Twins beat writer for the Pioneer Press. And Betsy, let's start with that final game of the series against the Yankees. Twins come away with a dramatic win, and hopefully this can boost their confidence going into the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, that game, you don't expect to see your oldest Chapman giving up one home run, let alone two. I think I, I looked back the last time that happened was June 18th, 2016, also against the Twins. And just kind of the way it happened so quickly um and you know obviously it's one game but then you look at it and and guys are starting to get healthy and you know we've been kind of waiting all season for the twins to go on a run so you know it'll be interesting with houston coming to town but maybe this is you know i'm sure they hope that this could be a turning point yeah a couple times this year i feel like we've had moments where you look at it and it's like all right can this be that turning point and we haven't been able to deliver that level of consistency um looking at last night's win though what was that atmosphere like after the win and the walk-off last night? And what's that atmosphere been like in general this season? We've seen more and more fans be added to attendance throughout the year. What's it been like kind of that post-COVID? Yeah, it, I mean, yesterday it all happened so fast, and it just kind of <laughs> crowd noise got louder and louder and louder until crews connected, and then it just, you know, everyone went nuts. But it's been it's been so nice. I mean, last year was just so bizarre being in you know almost completely empty stadiums and it's just been nice to hear you know more and more more and more people back um i think they are right now operating at 80 percent capacity and i don't think we've had a situation where they've sold 80 percent of the tickets but i think yesterday was about seventeen thousand something and you really couldn't tell that it wasn't full i mean they got loud and it's just been been nice to see more uh, life back at the ballpark Looking at the Twins, we got a lot of guys have been banged up this year. Buxton, Maeda, Garver. Uh, do we have any sort of timetable on some of our better uh, players on the injured list? Yeah, yeah. There are, uh, unfortunately, a lot of them uh, to go through. But um, Byron Buxton yesterday hit two home runs um, during his rehab assignment, drove in five. Uh, he should be back within the next 
day or two, I think they want to get him, you know, one more game in the field. Obviously, they're pretty banged up in center, but I think they, they really want to get him one more game in the field. So I would say, you know, hopefully tomorrow, um, hopefully tomorrow we see Buxton. Um, Luis Arise is, has started taking batting practice, um, and he is probably going to go out on a rehab assignment sometime in the next, uh, you know, day or two. I'm guessing um, Kenta Maeda threw uh, a couple days ago, I think uh, Wednesday in St. Paul. Um, they said before the game that they were going to kind of get with the trainers, you know, and, and figure out what's next for him. Um, perfectly reasonable that uh, his next start might come in the majors. Um, so we should be seeing him back soon. Not much yet on a timetable of Mitch Garber. It's been good to see him around the ballpark, though. Um, I think that's still you know, weeks away at, at minimum. Max Kepler, uh, Rocco said yesterday, Max Kepler was running at about 85%. Um, I think they expect him to go out on a rehab assignment, but um, still not yet. Uh, I think they're expecting him to possibly stay back when they go on the road. They go on the road uh, after the series against Houston, so possibly stay back and then meet them sometime uh, during the road trip. So, Byron, he had a great start to the season, but obviously hasn't played much as of late with the Twins, and uh, all-star ballots are kind of starting up. Do you see him as the clear front runner as a representative for the Twins in the all-star game, or do you think anyone else has emerged and could become that representative? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I would say if he you know comes back and has a good month of June, uh, he's definitely got a shot. Um, I would love to see him in the All-Star game because it's you know it's supposed to be a game of the game's most exciting players, and he's definitely one of them. So I would say he's got a shot. You know, I think Jose Barrios also, I guess, has a shot. It's kind of hard to see. I mean, what I think would be fun, uh, fun also would be if Taylor Rogers, um, Taylor Rogers made it because it's in his hometown of Denver. It'd be his first trip. Uh, it's a little harder as a reliever, so I'm not so sure about that. But I would say, I mean, as of this point, I would guess Buxton or Burrios if I if I had to guess. This team has had a lot of issues this year, especially with pitching and. Uh, what has been one of the more disappointing parts of the team so far for you? I don't know if it's any individual aspect of the team's game, players underperforming, and uh, where would you love to see them turn it around? I mean, I think we could probably talk about the bull- bullpen for a while. Um, and, you know, over the course of the past couple months, you know, we certainly have uh, have talked about the bullpen, have written about the bullpen a lot. But I would say also I expected this to be a much better defensive team than it has been. Um, we saw the first game of the Yankee series. They made four errors there, and they weren't, you know, a couple of them weren't as costly. Um, they were able to pitch over them, but they've had some really costly errors. Josh Donaldson has had a couple of errors. Andrelton Simmons um, really surprisingly leads the team in errors, and I guess some of that probably comes down to a lot of his teammates have been injured. Because he still has been, you know, more or less pretty much himself pretty decent defensively, but he has made, I guess, more errors to this point than I would have expected from him. So I would say that's another thing. Like I think they expected to be better, um, better defensively than than they have been to this point. Again, our guest is Betsy Helfen from the Pioneer Press, and Betsy, like you said. The team has struggled a bit defensively this year, but we did see a triple play turn this last week. That was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun to watch, and it's funny because Miguel Sano actually said that he called out called out the triple play before it happened, and 
the Twins have been now part of four triple plays since 2017, uh, which is, I believe, more than twice any other team in the majors. And Miguel Sano has been part of um, all four of them. So that's kind of an interesting little nugget. He said he called it. He said he's predicted three out of the four of them. We haven't asked him how how often he, he calls triple plays that don't come true. But uh, after the game, Rocco joked that he was going to take Miguel with him to Treasure Island because uh, <laughs> apparently he's pretty good at Things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that does sound like a good plan. Um, you know, one of my yeah. favorite parts of the season so far has been seeing the partnership between the Twins and the Saints. And how is this affiliation going so far? It's been good. I mean, it's just the level of convenience for the Twins. I mean, especially considering how many injuries they've had. I mean, how often they need a call down there. I don't think the Twins could have asked for anything more. And, and one of the interesting things I was kind of writing about last week, too, is just from a player and these guys who are going back and forth, you know, a lot of them, like, have two apartments. You know, they had one in Rochester, one in Minneapolis, or they'd have an apartment in Minneapolis or an apartment in Rochester and live out of a suitcase out of a hotel in the other city. And so just for those guys, too, kind of the ease of living is is a big thing, too, and that, you know, that can help on the field too. You take away some of their stress off the field, but you know, just being able to send Byron Buxton over there, you know, send guys over there on rehab. Buxton can come over to Target Field, be around the team, and then go over there and play his rehab game, and then go back to his house. You know, it's all around. I think it's been a pretty good partnership uh, so far. Yeah, absolutely. That convenience is huge, and um, you know, the big question I think for a lot of people right now is everyone wants to know are the Twins going to be sellers at the trade deadline, right? And do you think that we could see us dealing any of those fan favorite players come the trade deadline? And if so, what are some potential guys that might be traded? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the way they're trending, um, you know, obviously they won last night. The way they've, they're trending, the way they've been trending all season, I mean, you have to objectively look at it. They are very far out of the division. Um and, you know, they've had opportunities to start making up games and, and they haven't. So the way it's, the way it's going, the way I look at it, yeah, they, they basically have to. Um, but then you think about it, I mean, they have a lot of guys on expiring contracts. So, um, you know, Nelson Cruz would be one of those if he draws some interest. Um, and Milton Simmons is up after this year. Hansel Robles. I mean, this is a pretty long list. Jay Happ, Michael Pineda, you know, those are guys that could draw some interest from other teams. Um, there's a couple more. So those are the guys you kind of look to first, and then you kind of look past that and think, all right, like what are the Twins trying to do for next year? Is it just going to be a situation where they say we, we still believe in this core and we want to keep this core intact um, and just kind of supplement that for next year? And then, then you're probably looking at a situation where um, – you know, it's, it's just those guys on expiring contracts. So otherwise they have some interest, you know, interesting names who are up after the next year. So it'll be, uh, I'm definitely intrigued by uh, what the next kind of month and a half is going to hold. Yeah, it's going to be a big month and a half for the Minnesota Twins for sure. And, and lastly, Betsy, I know it's been a hard season, but do you have any silver linings for the team so far this year? Yeah, I mean, I think one of, obviously, They've had so many injuries and, and you never want to have this many injuries. One of the things is that we've gotten 
a good chance and, and especially probably, you know, after July 31st, they'll get a, a really good chance to kind of see what they have in a lot of these guys. Um, you know, Alex Kirilov, Trevor Larnick, Brian Jeffers, even Nick Gordon. Um, you know, a, a lot of young guys have come in and, and gotten opportunities and it's kind of going to be interesting as the season goes on to see what really takes hold. Um, I think Trevor Larnick looked pretty good. He's got a nice nice approach and we've seen kind of the raw power from him. Kirilov, I guess, is another guy who, who has gone, you know, through some injuries. He just sprained an ankle, but uh, he shouldn't be out too long from that. Um, you know, it, it's a good, I guess, there are good open opportunities for him and Larnick. Um, you know, we've seen some promising signs from Jeffers since he's been called back up. So I think, you know, I guess if you look at it that way, um, the injuries have opened a lot of opportunities for a lot of guys who are, you know, supposed to be big, uh, big pieces of their future. So I guess you obviously want to be contending. You hope to be contending. This team was supposed to be contending, but I guess at the very least they can see what they have, you know, have moving forward. Betsy, thanks for joining us today. And let's go get a series win this weekend against the Astros. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and you too. There you go. That's Betsy Helfand, Twins beat writer for the Pioneer Press. If you're just tuning in and want to listen to the On Deck Sports Show, you can find us on kymnradio.net. We podcast weekly our episodes. Great conversations from you know beat writers, uh, broadcasters, players, coaches, you name it. Everything baseball we talk here on the On Deck Sports Show. Uh, when we return, I'm going to be talking with head baseball coach for the University of St. Thomas, Chris Olean. Again, this is the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. There is no sure out in baseball, a game rich with statistics and probabilities. The investment world is also filled with numbers with no sure outcomes. Falk Financial Services is an independent financial planning firm that utilizes Riskalyze, a Nobel Prize winning framework to help reduce fear and uncertainty by finding an advisory client's investment comfort zone. To learn more, call 507-645-2993 or visit us at falkfinancial.com. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities offered through First Heartland Capital, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through First Heartland Consultants. Falk Financial Services is not affiliated with First Heartland Capital. You're listening to the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Our guest is Chris Olean head coach of baseball at the University of St. Thomas. And Chris, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, Chris, your team made one heck of a run this year, coming up just short of the D3 championship. You know, even though it didn't end up with you guys with the title in the end, looking back on this season and your guys' playoff run, you have to be proud of your squad for the way they fought through the year. Yeah, I mean, they uh, they showed a lot of heart, a lot of resiliency throughout the year. I mean, not only, I guess, when you talk about just on-field competition, but, you know, COVID and um, all of the other things in terms of stops and starts. And I, I know we weren't uh, we weren't alone in dealing with that. All the other schools had to do it, too. But, I mean, it was still a real factor for everybody and um, for them to be able to, you know, push through and, you know, put together a season that was uh, certainly really unconventional. Um, yeah, we're just really proud of them. It was a wild ride to the finals, and this team really battled through some adverse situations, um, found a way to pull through. Is there a specific moment or game in this tournament run that really stands out to you? 
a lot of places to start, right? I mean, we, uh, you know, we won the conference outright, which was a big goal of ours right out of the gate. You know, we had uh, Gustavus right on our heels where, you know, they didn't, they didn't let up at all. So we, you know, essentially beat them by a game. So we had to kind of win, you know, almost five consecutive at the end of the year to win the conference. Um, then we, as we got to the conference tournament, um, you know, we, same thing. Like we, you know, we, we felt like we were in a de- decent spot to get at large bid, whether we won the conference or not, but it really wasn't assured. And to put ourselves back in the championship game after dropping a game early, um, I thought was a huge deal for us just in having the opportunity to go to postseason. Um, and they, they fought back there too, just to kind of make that happen. And then um, a regional that was filled with, you know, very, very talented teams. You know, you have Chapman that was in our region that uh, was the defending national champion in the year previous to COVID. And we had to beat them in an elimination game. And then we had to beat Pacific twice, who was a very, very talented team. And, you know, after having been to the World Series, I would say they absolutely would have represented there as well um, as we did. They were very talented. Um, and then ultimately, you know, once you get to the World Series, you know, all eight teams there are good, right? You're not you're not seeing any slouches. Every game you play is going to be difficult and close. And, um, you know, we, we certainly uh, ran into some tough teams there too with Adrian and then ultimately uh, Wash U, who was the number one team in the country, and we had to beat them twice uh, before getting to the championship series. So, um, you know, I would say the Wash U series was one, you know, particularly the first game was probably one of the best college baseball games I've ever been a part of. I mean, it was an extra inning win for us where we were down to our last strike on multiple occasions, uh, down a couple runs in one, one case, and they just kept fighting. You know, they, they just have that, uh, you know, I, I wish I could tell you it was something I did as a coach or something that we, we really did to, to get them there, but we just had kind of a special group of guys that um, had that belief that they just they weren't done until they were done, and, um, you know, we had a, a number of different guys step up in big spots. It was never just one guy. It was always a collection and be a different guy every day show up to the park and I think uh, that's probably what made us go on that run is you know we didn't have to just lean on one guy somebody else would step up when um, when, when needed and um, it just kind of kept happening over and over again yeah and the next topic I really wanted to get into Chris is what was kind of your guys's keys to the success you had and it seems like that would be the answer that you guys had a lot of depth on this team uh, we did, and I think, you know, at the heart of how we generally teach, um, you know, baseball at St. Thomas is we want to take care of the baseball, number one, so we, we pick it up and we throw it across, and, you know, we were top five in the country in fielding percentage. Um, generally speaking, we have good pitching. You know, we throw strikes and um, have a few guys usually at the front end that can miss some bats, and so, you know, we're, we're usually minimizing runs, and then offensively is, you know, probably where we – um, had to do the most work you know we had to, early on we struggled to score some runs um, you know we just didn't quite know how our offense was going to work and how this group of personnel was going to fit together and you know by the end we figured out that we just needed all nine guys to sort of function as a unit not just you know three or four hitters going or a couple other hitters going at a time we needed the whole offense to put together quality at bats uh, get traffic on the bases and then create some problems, you know. So the interesting stat that, that I found out after was that the two teams that played in the national championship series, us and Salisbury, were number one and number two in the country in sacrifice bunts, which is kind of contradictory to what you see in current, you know, current baseball analytics in terms of what bunting or sacrificing outs uh, means. But, you know, both Salisbury and ourselves were top five in fielding percentage and one, two in bunt, bunting percentage. So, I mean, whatever reason, that was the formula this year for us to have some success. And, 
you know, it led to a lot of tight ball games. But, you know, like I said, our guys had that belief, and we, we found a way to pull a lot of them out. We're here with the head coach of the University of St. Thomas baseball team, Chris Oline. And, Chris, going into this season, it had been a while since you've had a full season of play, of course, due to COVID and such. Well, since 2019, who were some of the most improved players on this team and some of the best additions you guys added to the squad? I mean, it's, it's quite a long list. I mean, I, you know, if we were, you know, if you look at our opening day lineup, even this year versus what we put in the last championship game. I mean, we clearly figured some thing, things out as we went. Um, you know, I think our team is generally built around pitching. But if you look at pitchers, uh, Andrew Try and Graham Lobsher, they were like our number one and number two, and they are essentially both one. So anytime we ran them out there, we knew we had a really good chance to win. Um, and then we had a number of freshman arms step up, too. Um, Duke Coborn was a COVID freshman, and he ended up being probably, I guess what I'd call him, our three uh, Colby Gartner was another guy that really stepped up late. Uh, true freshman, where um, you know his second collegiate start came in an elimination game against Chapman, and he went nine innings, no earned. Um, Jack Blesh started the uh, regional championship game, another true freshman. You know he got us into the sixth and kept us right there. Um, and then the back end of the bullpen, uh, T.J. Constantina was another guy that had a sub one ERA, uh, got us out of countless jams throughout the year, and was just lights out. And uh, Jeremy Click out there as well uh, was another guy who came in and threw a lot of big outs and kind of that gap roll to get get to TJ. Offensively, uh, like I said, there's a lot of lot of guys to point to here. Um, you know, a couple seniors that stood out. Uh, Kyle Halver- Halverson was our uh, starting third baseman, one of our team captains. Um, you know, he didn't have a terrific batting average, but he ended up leading the team in RBIs. You know, he was just incredibly clutch. You know, came up with two or three huge hits throughout the year that ended up being game winners for us. Uh, Avery Layman's our center fielder. He's another guy that, uh, you know, really upped his game, you know, hit in the mid 300s, stole almost 20, 20 bases, played terrific defense in center field. Uh, and then our middle, our two middle infielders to me were probably one of the biggest keys to our success. Um, Matt Ank, who's a, uh, a COVID freshman and Sam Kalesa, who's a co- also a COVID freshman. Um, those guys played the middle infield better than almost anybody in the country. You know, they both handled the bat well, both hit in the mid-300s, but defensively they're unbelievable. You know, they got to balls that nobody else really could um, and really just saved us, saved our pitching staff too. So, um, you know, as a group, it was just a really, really fun group of, group of guys to coach. And Chris, you know, the University of St. Thomas will be transitioning to Division One, and outside of the competition that you guys will play, what kind of changes should we expect from the baseball program and other athletic pro- programs at the university, and uh, how's this process going? Um, you know, it, it's a lot, right? I mean, there's a lot that goes into this ramp up. Um, whether you're talking about, you know, having athletic scholarships, um, staffing, um, you know, staffing both for the baseball staff and just for the athletic department in terms of compliance and development and all the different areas that now become uh, more pertinent as you move to Division One. Um, you know, and then there'll be a slow build out in terms of uh, potential facilities and things of that nature. Um, and so there is a lot behind the scenes that seems that is happening. You know, one of the things I guess I try to point out when I talk about transition to people is that on our end, um, we still feel like baseball is baseball. You know, so for us, we're not going to change necessarily what we coach or how we coach. You know, we're going to keep doing the same things that we've done that we feel have made us successful over the time that we've been here. And, you know, I think the biggest change is you just have a, you know, slightly higher caliber or higher ceiling of athlete that comes into play for you and it's just uh you know i guess the example i'd use instead of getting a pitcher that comes in throwing 85 to 86 up to 90 now you get a guy coming in throw 89 90 up to 95 um so there's still development that needs to take place we're never just going to go out recruit people particularly in the first you know four to six years of this you know we're going to have to still um be development focused 
Um, and I think, you know, the other piece too is we have to um, redefine success, right? I mean, for us to expect to go be, you know, a dominant force nationally like we have been at Division Three, I think is certainly unrealistic. I mean, we need to find a way to compete in the Summit League before we even worry about any of that. So, um, you know, how are we going to measure success? How are we going to determine um, are we making progress towards our goals? And obviously when you're accustomed to winning, um, just trying to make sure that we do have things that we can measure and say, okay, this is better than it was the last time we were out there. And, you know, I think if we can kind of keep in that mindset, the wins will eventually come. Some exciting big changes over there at the University of St. Thomas. Again, we're here with Chris Olean, and the head baseball coach for the University of St. Thomas. And, Chris, before we let you go, let's learn a little bit about you. How did you get involved with coaching, and do you have any fond baseball memories prior to becoming a coach? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I was uh, fortunate enough that I actually played at St. Thomas. So, um, you know, my freshman year there was 96. And yeah, I was uh, played for four years. I was fortunate enough to get drafted by the Brewers, spent a couple seasons in the minor leagues with them, and then I came back and started uh, as an assistant coach and a pitching coach in 2001. Um, was doing that for nine years, uh, and then I took over as head coach, and this was just the completion of year 12. So I have about, you know, almost 25 years in the program in some capacity. You know, in terms of memories, I would say, uh, you know, my senior year, uh, we were the first team out of the MIAC to ever make the World Series, um, which was a really big point of pride for us um, we ended up losing in the national championship game one to nothing you know although I was the starting pitcher I went all nine and I took the loss it's still probably one of my fondest memories just to be able to say that you know we sort of opened the door right for the teams to come down the line that you know we were the one that got past the regional and got past some of those powers in the midwest uh, back then and um, that was something that obviously I remember forever that's Chris Olean, head baseball coach for the University of St. Thomas. Again, special thanks to Chris and Bessie Helfen from the Pioneer Press. My name is Colin Landsteiner, and this was the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. We'll be back next Saturday, but uh, folks, don't go anywhere. We got Game 2 between the Twins and Astros coming up next, right here on KYMN.